All right, welcome back into the Great Scott Show. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank, sponsored by Suit Up. I am Scott Prather. For those of you listening on the stream, whether it be on our app, on your smartphone, speaker, connected in your car, Bluetooth, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market. Champagne's in the oil center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Uh, the Pelicans. Were they going to make a trade? Were they not? Was Lonzo Ball still going to be a Pelican? Was he not? There was a lot of chatter about the Pels yesterday leading up to the 2 p.m. trade deadline. In the end, they did not trade Lonzo Ball. They did trade a pair of players. And here to talk about the present and the future of the franchise is our friend from The Bird Rights, the SB Nation blog covering the New Orleans Pelicans. He is the editor-in-chief over there, Ali Cassell joins us now. Good morning, Ali. How are you? Good morning, Scott. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm glad that yesterday has come and gone, and it kind of worked out largely to the way I wanted to see it unfold. Well, let's, let's start right there. Why did it work out the way you wanted to see it unfold? Why are you, uh, it sounds like you're happy about, uh, for, for those, let me, let me, let me quick before I, I ask you that. I've already started, but for those that might have missed it or, or really haven't been dialed in, uh, I mentioned they didn't trade Lonzo Ball. They traded J.J. Redick and uh, Nikolai Melli to the Mavericks for James Johnson, Wes Wundo, cash considerations, and the Mavericks' 2021 second-round pick. Um, so with that, that was the move they made. And then, of course, fans were hoping Bledsoe would get traded. That didn't happen. But why are you overall satisfied with how things unfolded yesterday? Right. I would give overall everything that transpired a B for the reasons you've, you've kind of already uh, laid out. J.J. Redick was shipped out for an asset, and it sure looked like he was headed for the buyout market uh, because there didn't appear to be any kind of deal that teams were willing to make to where New Orleans would have gotten any kind of value back in return, just so to see that they were able to get that second-round pick. And who knows, maybe James Johnson or Wesley Uwundu proved themselves you know, maybe viable parts of this roster that they could be resigned to very team-friendly deals over the summer. But the biggest reason, though, was Lonzo Ball. And over the last 48 hours, it sure seemed like there was a lot of rumors swirling to where the Pelicans were involved either with the Knicks, um, especially the Bulls, and several other teams. But I didn't like any of the returns that you heard would be coming back to New Orleans. And I think that's key. Lonzo Ball has become a very good, productive player. And there's a lot of good facets to his game that fit well, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram, to where I feel like you've got to keep the good players. If you're trying to build something, you've got to do it by having key components that fit with those two cornerstones, and Lonzo fits that. And if you're not going to get anything returned that fits similarly as well or that you, you basically can have enough faith and trust in, then you shouldn't make a move. So even though Lonzo Ball isn't traded, much of this may a lot of fans, it seems like, around New Orleans. I think it was a smart move because you can still potentially maybe deal him in the sign and trade this summer, or at worst, if, if he hits that restrictor free agency and a team offers a really big offer, that it's not going to be too outlandish and David Griffin can resign him and therefore go from there, whether you want to keep him and you swallow a few million dollars more that you wanted to spend on him, or you can conceivably then trade him after he gets a new deal. But either way, you've got to keep your good assets, and I feel like Lonzo Ball qualifies. So Lonzo Ball this summer, I was, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday that co-hosts with me on Thursdays, Norman Locke, and I said, listen, just because Ball may not be traded today, now I thought he would be traded for the record, but 
He wasn't, but I said just because he's not traded today doesn't mean he's necessarily going to get a, 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 a big contract from the Pelicans or elsewhere, and then the Pelicans, if it's elsewhere, get nothing. There's potential sign-in trades. There's a lot of different – there's about three different routes this thing could go this summer with Lonzo Ball. A lot can change between now and this summer, Ali, but ultimately, what do you think the next contract is for Lonzo Ball? Where is it in New Orleans or is it elsewhere? And if it's elsewhere, is it a signing trade or is he just, you know, gone because they don't match his restricted free agent offer wherever that might be? Well, with the way the Pelicans decided to keep him, and even though I didn't like some of the offers that they could have gotten in return would have been you know, beneficial, I think, in the long run. The fact that they decided not to go that route, I think, speaks volumes to what they're going to do this summer. And the one step I think you can eliminate is they won't just let him walk for free. It, it's really hard for me to imagine that he hits a certain figure to where you know, David Griffin decides to not match it, and therefore they basically lose him for nothing. I just don't see that scenario as even a possibility anymore. If they had that fear, they would have moved him today and gotten whatever they could have. Right. So I think that's off the table. Sign and trade, that, that still potential is there. But I'll be honest with you, most years, uh, sign and trades are hard because the team that's trying to unload him usually doesn't get really much value in return. You know, it was different this past offseason, right, because of the pandemic. The salary caps across the league were lower than what everybody had predicted prior to the pandemic. So it really handcuffed a lot of teams to where sign and trades really made for the only kind of viable uh, tool that they could use to improve their rosters. I don't expect that to be the case this summer. So I honestly believe that they will resign him. And, you know, the hope is when I've been talking to people over the last few weeks that he will accept something in the neighborhood of an average salary of say about 20, maybe $21 million a year moving forward, somewhere in the 18 to $22 million range. I've been told a lot. So if it stays there, I think that's very doable, right? We've seen teams give out those type of contracts to, to, uh, players coming off their rookie contracts to where you're not sure if they're deserving, right? Buddy Heald immediately comes to mind. Um, there's others, but I feel like Lonzo has proven enough to where I think you feel comfortable giving him that contract because he certainly has value, right? With all the teams that were interested in trading for him, there's value there. So there's a reason why they wanted that player. Um, so, yeah, they just have to pony up, make it work with the books. And I think the biggest key going forward will be removing Eric Bledsoe because that decision on Lonzo and how much you can pay him. But you also got to remember Josh Hart. He's going to be pending a new contract as well. But all those can be alleviated really easily, right? They'll have the room to do it if you make some space. And the obvious easy answer is you've got to find a taker for Eric Bledsoe this summer. Well, easier said than done. There didn't seem to be many takers this go-round unless it was an added bonus to get Lonzo or a player that they wanted. Hey, to get this player, this asset we want from mm-hmm. you, will also take Bledsoe off your hands. No one's jumping to sign them to their team. And he's just – you and I talked about it when the trade happened, right? It doesn't seem like he's a long-term fit. Well, he's got some years left on his deal. He's taking up cap space. He's taking up minutes. Nothing against the guy personally, Ali, but Eric Bledsoe is hurting this team on the court and off the court when you look at – the, the salary cap and the salaries and what they want to do moving forward. So how are they going to get them off of their hands this offseason if they weren't able to do it now? Well, it'll be easier, for one. Even though he's got two years remaining after this year, his last year, there's only a guarantee of about $3.9 million. So essentially, this summer, he'll be looked upon as a 
expiring contract. So for teams that just want some ballast, salary ballast, or maybe they want to take a chance on a rebirth, uh, can reclaim, it'll be easier to take that chance by not having such a, you know, such a hold over your future salary caps. So I, for instance, Oklahoma City comes directly to mind. There's going to be teams that don't expect to win, or maybe there could be a winner. Maybe somebody is desperate. You know, say the Los Angeles Clippers, who are desperate for a point guard. And I know they got Rajon Rondo, but that's just good for this season, right? They're going to have to address that situation again next year. But Eric Bledsoe, before this season, was really much a guaranteed, you know, you knew what you were going to get from him. You're going to get some offense, some good defense, but he was a viable starter. And so you could, you know, basically hang your hat on that. You just get him out of the situation here to where he's obviously unhappy. You see it on the court. doesn't give effort. But if you remove him from that equation, put him back on a real contender, that might stoke the fire and get him playing better because he's honestly not that old. So I, I can just see a lot of different scenarios and perspectives that other teams can look upon starting this summer to where it makes more, of, you know, a reasonable chance to where it makes sense to take a chance on trading for Eric Bledsoe. ESPN1420.com. Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show, sponsored by Suit Up. Typically, Gus Cattengill joins me on Fridays for the Pro Nola segment, but uh, Gus has been traveling this week, so uh, Nick Underhill stepped in, talked some Saints, and now my guy Ali Cassell joins us to talk some Pels the day after the trade deadline. Um, well, <laughs> you still got games to play, a lot of games between now and the offseason. And I, I just think that this offseason coming up, Ollie, is duh, duh important, okay? That's stating the obvious. But when you look at – there's a lot, I think, riding on this offseason, right? You, you decided to keep Zoe for now. What decision do you make there? Can you get Bledsoe off your hands like you said? Zion can become extension eligible after next year and – you know, typically, as soon as a guy does, they they sign a a, a pretty fat deal. But how how ranking the important off seasons of this franchise that you know so well and that I've followed since the New Orleans Hornets came to this state back in two thousand and two, it's not like there's this great history of a ton of success. You've got two all stars on your team right now. You have a twenty year old that is must see TV every time he steps onto the court. Feels like a generational talent. There is added pressure when you're a small market team and not one of the glamour franchises. For David Griffin, for the future of this team, how much will we look back at a 2021 offseason and say that was the one that really turned it in the right direction or the wrong direction? It ranks right up there um, in this short history here in New Orleans of NBA basketball, right, right around 20 years of importance because you've got those two cornerstones. And let's say the Pelicans do not get into any kind of postseason uh, playing, whether it's a playing tournament or upright or outright um, playoff uh, seeding and basically see a playoff. I can't imagine that happening when Brandon Ingram last summer said, you know, I don't ever want to miss another playoff. Same thing with Zion. He's one of the biggest talents to come into the NBA in years. And for him not to make the playoffs in the first two seasons is almost unforgivable. So entering his third year, they've got to find a way to make a playoffs, construct a roster that fits and win more games than they lose. It's really that simple, Scott. Otherwise, you run the risk of suddenly unhappiness, right, transpiring 
through or filtering down through the locker room. And whether it would be Ingram or Zion or both, right, they're unhappy. They want to start winning. You don't want to get to that situation. Absolutely not. It's so hard for small market teams to win, but especially when you, you finally get your hands on these young uh, transformative, transformative talents, you've got to win. You've got to put up the victory. So, yeah, this will be by far David Griffin's most important offseason coming up. He's going to have a lot of questions to answer as well as, you know, basically just, just find the pieces that fit because it's, it, it'll be unacceptable to say that maybe they'll miss the playoffs again, right, when you have these two all-stars in tow. It, it, it just really can't be an option. So, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for the best. And, look, they do have 29 games left this season. So not all is even lost on this year. I think the plan going forward should be you play Eric Bledsoe less, keep giving Kyra and Nikhil, who basically look like they've earned their minutes, but see what this young talent can keep doing around Ingram and Zion because you're going to have to develop a roster. You're going to have to have some of these guys pan out. So a lot still rides on the rest of the season that are going to shape the decisions that are going to be made this summer. Zion Williamson shooting 62% from the field, maybe a little higher than that, 62.1, averaging 25.7 a game. Just amazing stuff right now. The Pelicans in action tonight against the Nuggets. Mavs tomorrow. You mentioned it, 29 games left. They are close to, you know, being in the top 10 in the West. They're also close to being at the very bottom. Um, which way is this team going to – where is the wind going to blow here, Ali? Is this a team that's going to be at least playing in a play-in game to, to, to get into a whole first-round series? Can they finish in the top 10 of the West? Where are you leaning right now based on – now that the trade deadline's passing, you know what this roster looks like and what it's, you know, what Zion's doing. And, you know, it's just uh, this team is so extreme, right? It's like one night they set a good record. Mm-hmm. The next night they set a bad record. It's so extreme. They're hard to really figure out. But you know this team as well as anybody, man. What's, what's, where, where, is they, where are they going to be two months from now? Are they going to be at home? Are they still going to be playing? What's, what's your thoughts? The inconsistencies have, without a doubt, been the, the common theme on this season. But I feel like there might be a chance they're rounding enough of a turn, enough of a corner, to where I think they're going to give themselves a real good shot of getting in that play-in tournament. And the reason for my hopes is for the reasons I just mentioned. I think Kyra, Nikhil, Jackson Hayes, we should include in that group, are all kind of coming into their own, finding themselves. And therefore, I think that's going to elevate to where the performances are going to be better. We're not, we've seen now... Brandon Ingram and Zion close out a few games uh, well, and now they're getting support from the rest of the team. And, you know, hey, just just the last two wins, they knocked off a very good team, but they took care of business against a a Lakers team that was severely undermanned, something they haven't done this season, right? We would see the rogue win against a good team, but then they would fall into bad habits and suffer bad losses. Well, my hope is that that's kind of changed, like I said, and especially getting past this trade deadline. That might help as well. Um, people always say that players are a little bit unsettled, especially when your name's mentioned in the rumor mill. So I think all these things can contribute to a positive finish. And I feel like, Scott, if they could just win, say, maybe three or four more games than they lose here on out and get close to 500, if not 500, they'll get in the playing tournament because I don't think the Golden State Warriors or the Memphis Grizzlies, and maybe even the Spurs, I should throw in, did anything of importance at this trade deadline, and they've been faltering, right? They've been kind of in that same mediocre, um, riding that same mediocre wave all season. So they can be caught, and, you know, that, that's the hope. The playing tournament has given New Orleans a legitimate chance 
of still seeing any kind of play beyond this regular season. I think they will. I think I just like their odds and, and the, the schedule and how this team's kind of playing to come together enough to where they're going to go ahead and make one of these play, grab one of these final playing spots. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Ali Cassell has been our guest. Ali, I appreciate the time as always, guys. Follow him on Twitter at Ali Cassell. O L E H K O S E L. Check out all the stuff over at thebirdrights.com, the Bird Rights Podcast, and much, much more. Appreciate it, man. All the best. And uh, let's talk again in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Have a good Friday, Scott. You too, man. Have a great weekend. All right. There is your Pro Nola Hour. Little Nick Underhill, then Ali Cassell. Next hour on The Great Scott Show, we'll talk Rage Occasion Baseball with Brad Topham. We'll talk about the series coming up with Coastal Carolina. Then open up phone lines. The team... That's still a Cinderella, most likely to make an upset this weekend and um, get to the Elite Eight and possibly the Final Four after that. Some other big moves around the uh, the NBA on trade deadline day. Ragey Cajun softball in action as well this weekend. A lot to get into and a little bit more from LSU and UL's spring football. We'll dig into that. Got some audio as well from Billy Napier and some players. It's all coming your way right here. It's the Great Scott Show sponsored by Suit Up. Don't go anywhere. It continues right after this on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app.